And that'll do it. A tough night indeed. And the Raptors in a very difficult situation. Battled early. And then Kevin Love really stepped it up and started making some big time threes. The last time we recorded, the Raptors had just lost to the OKC Thunder. In the 19 days since, they have just played five times. They have faced three postponements. They have faced their opponents losing players to COVID. And against the Cleveland Cavaliers on Boxing Day, they put out probably one of the worst Toronto Raptors teams since the franchise launched in 1995. To go through those five games is my trusty sidekick, Varel. Has the COVID protocols in the NBA made you a bit of a Grinch this festive season? I think the game against the Cavs, Carmel, that was, you know, some of us might look at it negatively, say, oh, it was disappointing watching it from a fan perspective. But I, I felt like there was something beautiful there, Carmel. I mean, they did show a lot of heart and a lot of spirit. I don't think you could take it away from the team. Um, just giving those guys an opportunity to showcase their talents as well. I think there's something um, special about that. And we did get, I think, one positive shining light out of it. We did see what kind of impact Watanabe could have if he was oh, really hell one yeah. of the main go-to guys. So it's not all bad. And I think... You know, we're not going to see this hopefully too many more times, but what do you think was part of the decision-making process here, Kamel? Because I'm really, really flabbergasted because it seemed really unclear going into the game whether this would go ahead. And it seemed like the decision was made more so from the Raptors organization end in terms of actually playing this game. I don't think the NBA forced them to, you know, sign all these 10-day contracts and to go into the game. So... Do you have potentially any sort of uh, background intel information as to why this ended up going ahead? Because, like I said, it, it seemed like the NBA wasn't even sure on the day of whether the uh, Raptors would have enough eligible players. It seems the Raptors' front office were particularly perturbed by this decision, especially considering there were two postponements uh, on the 17th and the 23rd uh, for the games against the Chicago Bulls when Chicago could actually have suited up more players uh, than the Raptors had against the Cleveland Cavaliers. All you need to do, I think, rather than giving the players who entered health and safety protocols, is to give the players who actually started and are part of full-time contracts, you know, deals with the Raptors. The starting lineup, of course, was Delano Banton, Svi Mikhailuk, Yuta Watanabe, DJ Wilson, blast from the past, and Chris Boucher. You then had Waters, Oturu, and Morgan off the bench. None of those players have started for the Raptors this season, with probably the exception of Chris Boucher in a couple of experimental games. So it was a decision that really, really affected the Raptors. Of course, a few days before, they had actually flown to Chicago and faced the risk of being essentially trapped, not being allowed to go north of the border, if they entered health and mm. safety protocols while in America. So it was it, wow. it was a farce like all throughout. But I think you're right. I mean, looking aside from Adam Silver's odd decision-making, Watanabe did show what he could do. I mean, 
realistically, he was the only one who could lead this team. It was said that the group of players only met an hour before. They didn't even practice together as a team. They, I mean, what what more could you expect? I think it's a wonder they scored 99 points, if I'm honest. What did you like about Watanabe's game? I mean, obviously the numbers speak for themselves, 26 and 13, but there was there was something there, you know, that showed maybe he could take a a bigger role when all the Raptors are eventually healthy again. I think playmaking is something he probably hasn't had much of an opportunity to do before. Um, but he did seem like he was leading some of these plays. Uh, at least if he wasn't getting assists, he was orchestrating what was happening a little bit on the offense. So he might not get the opportunity to do that many more times this season. Um, but I think just from a learning uh, perspective, that that was really good for him. We were probably lucky that they, uh, the Cavs actually had a couple of players in the COVID protocol as well. I know Jarrett Allen's been there for a week, I think. I'm not sure about Mobley, but he, I know he wasn't playing. I'm yeah, Mobley, sure Okoro as well. Yeah. Okoro as well, yeah. Um, so in that sense, we were lucky. And I agree with you. 99 points is a pretty stellar effort considering. I think they were only down one point after the first quarter as well, the Raptors. That's, so right. That's right. We did look at one stage like it was going to be a little bit of a competitive game, but then... Yeah, you saw the likes of Garland take over. I think I thought Kevin Love marshaled the troops really well. Um, Of course, Ricky Rubio is just a spectacular playmaking point guard. Um, So it was a very solid performance from a Cavs team who are probably surprising to basically everyone outside of Ohio. They're, They're a top four seed and they look like easily one of the top four teams in the East because... There's a massive gap between them and the next team up in the conference in terms of you know overall record as well. Um, so <laughs> losing by 45 points, good effort, lads. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it wasn't. That sounds. It wasn't 73. So that's all that matters this season. I think people were saying. Did it feel that one-sided three. for you, Kamel? What's that? It, it, it didn't feel like we were. Honestly, we looked like an NBA team still. We, we didn't look like a you know a joke college team or anything. Like we, there were decent periods of basketball played, I think, by the Raptors. Except there was one period of play where Taco Fall grabbed three offensive rebounds, just you know plucking out from the air. Didn't even need to jump, obviously, with his height. <laughs> and yet none of I mean the the rebounding's bad enough when all the Raptors are healthy. And at this stage, it was just yeah. just a bit of a joke, really. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, yeah, you I can't do take that, do that to any team. Yeah, and you can't take much from this game. You know, the the Cavs shot brilliantly, forty two percent from three, fifty three percent from the field. Uh, all their players contributed extremely well. I was particularly impressed with Darius Garland, although I know maybe going up against Banton and Mikhailuk isn't the most difficult. I was disappointed in Svi and Boucher in particular. I know. It's tough to lead the offense, but Boucher going two from 10 from three kind of captures his immaturity with the ball at the minute. I know he was improving a little bit, but maybe he's not ready to take a leading role himself. He's still a supporting player. But I don't think I don't think this game warrants too much more discussion, if I'm honest. And I guess we hope going forward, yeah. Philadelphia, LA, New York, three big games there, especially when we want to see where the Raptors are at around the new year time. We hope that the Raptors get some players back. I believe 
for uh, tomorrow's game, Siakam, Gary Trent Jr. and Van Vliet will be back. So, let's see. Let's see and hope. I mean, it's worth probably moving to the last time that we did have these guys. And that was, can you believe it, all the way uh, back on 11th December, where it's a division rival game against the Knicks, of course, who you'd probably expect their and the Cavs' records to be swapped this season, considering the talent on both rosters and the expectations pre-season. Knicks, unfortunately, they're kind of scrapping with the Raptors for that play-in place at the minute. And that showed in the game, uh, Toronto winning their second of two games against the Knicks this season, 90-87. to Not Again, not too much about this game. One thing I do want to say is that overall contribution. You had 13 from Siakam, 14 from Boucher, 12 from Barnes, 17 from Van Vliet. And Gary Trent top scored with 24. Not much but from the bench, but you don't need that much when all your starters are contributing and your bench just needs to grab a couple of rebounds and not go too much, uh, not go too negative in plus minus. Uh, I don't know if you have anything maybe to say about the Knicks this season and, and their disappointments. Yeah, I think a lot of their you know, slightly disappointing uh, play does come down to Julius Randle. Uh, he hasn't looked like the all-star that he was last year. Uh, in this game, I mean, the, the fact that he's only taken nine shots to score 13 points, he wasn't massively inefficient, Kamel, but he should be taking by far and away the most shots on the team. You had Ro- Derek Rose topping and RJ Barrett take more shots than him. And I... As a Raptors fan, I'm very, very happy with that. I still think he, uh, despite potentially a slightly outdated offensive game, maybe relying on the mid-range a bit too much, we've actually seen certain players have a lot of success with that this year. Obviously, um, DeRozan is the key one that you know all media outlets have highlighted, but you can say you know, that's a shot KD's been performing very well with this season as well. Um, and I do like really like his mid-range game as well. I, I think, yeah, taking nine shots against this Raptors team should be happening. And in fact, Toronto, I mean, uh, the Knicks shot 35% from the field, 26% from three. So stellar defensive performance from the Raptors, but I'm sure those statistics wouldn't have looked like that if uh, Randall took that main offensive load, uh, like I think he should. Uh, but yeah, just defense in this game. 90 to 87 is a scoreline probably we haven't seen quite a while in the NBA Kamel it's a very very low scoring no it reminds you of the sort of 90s 2000s but I think the next game right. really highlighted right. the uh, defensive chemistry that the, at least the starters the usual Raptors starters are developing holding the Sacramento Kings to just 101 points that is 40% shooting mm-hmm. and 32% from three and of course we know the Kings aren't scrubs from outside the arc with the likes of Fox Halliburton Buddy Heald uh, etc. So uh, another excellent performance and that side on the offensive side again you had all five starters in double digits but also then finally I think for the first game this season you had the bench chipping in. You had Watanabe with right. 12, Champagne with 10, Malachi Flynn showing up. I mean probably one of the two games he showed up this season with 14 and Svi. Always nice to see our Ukrainian with 11 points. Uh, again, it's just built on defense. It's that confidence built with the ability to get transition offense going and to drag opposition out of 
position and of course not to create too many half-court offense sets it's something we've been saying all season yeah yeah and, and something you actually highlighted um in previous episodes like wanting for this bench to step up and so guess what a game where that happens we win by over 20 points and yeah Kamel nine players of double digits is so I wasn't expecting that to happen this season uh, given the bench struggles we've talked about previously um so spectacular I mean this game was the archetype of what the Raptors thought this roster could do if they were firing on all cylinders. They forced how many turnovers? 17 turnovers from the Kings, but you know, 10 steals. They were just they were just harassing the Kings team like we wanted this team to do. And uh, they didn't get out-rebounded massively either. Um, just, <laughs> it, I mean, this is an achievement for the Raps, but they weren't out-rebounded by more than 10 rebounds, which <laughs> seems to happen in like, every other game. So we'll take that as a as a massive plus, to be honest. And yeah, just uh, one of the best performances they've had uh, this year, in my opinion. Then it kind of came crashing down to earth against the Brooklyn Nets, or as some people called them, Kevin Durant plus scrubs or washed up washed up players, essentially. And they had likes of Harden, uh, Bembry out, so they ran with a starting lineup of KD, Blake, yeah. Griffin, Claxton. Patty Mills and the unfortunately named David Duke Jr. <laughs> and I, I don't know how many jokes are going to be made about about that throughout the season. <laughs> I mean, come on, man, come come up with a different name for goodness' sake. He's not that old. <laughs> uh, KD, though, I mean, we've said it before, but just just a special player to watch, and he managed to lead this team on his own, thirty-four point triple double. Paddy Mills, of course, contributing very well. Seven threes off the bench. And Paddy Mills, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. no stranger to this. I don't know if you watched the Christmas Day game as well, but he launched, I mean, he launched eight threes against the Lakers, including a crucial one to ice the game. So you, some accusations of washed up kind of flitting away there. What did you think of this game, though? How would you assess it? Raptors, of course, playing their starters very heavy minutes. Van Vliet, 47 minutes. Siakam and Barnes, 44 each. Was this just a struggle against a superstar? And is this something to be worried about? Or was it just a bit of an odd game? No, I, I think I think it was worrisome. Um, yeah, they had a lot of players missing. Probably this was our strongest team we've seen for quite a while. Um, who else could we have had? In, I'm just looking at the starting line right now. Kem, Kem Birch and Precious. Kem Birch, yeah. Yeah, it's basically the only player missing. Then again, we haven't had was, that for most of the season. And it's not like they had a big man, is it? To yeah, yeah, yeah. take advantage of that. Um, so. I mean, yeah, Nick, like, it was, but it was almost a given. Like, even against average bigs, when the Raptors go against them, it, it's not necessarily the case that the big will put up, you know, 20 plus points. But usually the bigs have fairly efficient performances and we saw that with Caxton this time 8 for 10 from the field he's pretty much just putting back um, offensive rebounds and like um, alley-oops like just an easy 8 for 10 from him for him um, yeah I, I, the game was quite a while ago uh, so I don't remember too much of what happened but uh, I did want to say about Patty Mills. Wasn't he? Didn't he have the absolutely ridiculous streak at the start of the season? I don't think he missed a three pointer for. I can't remember how many games it was coming out. I know it was something that was publicised, and he may well have the current highest three point percentage in the league as well. 
I'm just uh, looking that up now. He's shooting, yeah, he's shooting um, 44% from three this year. And you're right, he didn't 44%. miss. He didn't miss. I think his first 11 threes he made, which is pretty absurd. Yeah, yeah he's, he, shooting 52% he's actually. I've just looked it up as well, Kamel. He he's uh, sixth in the league currently with that 44%. So yeah, phenomenal. He's he's very underrated still. I mean, he's only 33, but this Nets team, especially coping without Kyrie, damn. Definitely <laughs> right. Would, would that's a question for you, Kamel? Would you have thought they would have the best record in the East without Kyrie all year? I honestly would. I would never ever have guessed that. I would have thought the Bucks would would easily have a better record than them. Well, as we said, I think other players have just really stepped up. I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of players like Bruce Brown and Bembry, uh, contributing extremely well, but also. Uh, the likes of Blake, Blake, Griffin, uh, Claxton as well. I feel like Claxton's been very underrated. It really, his contribution really highlighted by that poster over LeBron on Christmas Day, of course. But their depth has been underrated, I think. I think everyone thought about three-star players. No one thought about, look at look at all these role players, a mix of veterans and hungry young players just delivering every game. Hey, I thought it was Brooklyn and the Scrubs, Camille. <laughs> well, that was what it was painted as, I think, by anti-Toronto media, of course, uh, which we must hit back on. Uh, the fake the fake news. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, a bit, bit worrying. But, 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 but I think that, that is... A, I, I think um, talking about Nick Claxton is a really good point. I thought they would have a massive problem in that big man position when um, they lost... Uh, Jarrett Allen last season to the Cavs. I thought, right, that, that was your young athletic um, centre who was kind of in the... Uh, I've forgotten his name now. He, he was uh, Clint Capella mould of centre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they've just... Nick Clarkson's not Jarrett Allen. He's, he's not on that level, but yeah, he's more than serviceable. Um, I'm actually looking up because um, I haven't looked into too much of what Marcus the Marcus Aldridge has been like this season obviously coming back from uh, the heart conditioning he was playing for Brooklyn this year I'm not actually sure how much he's played this year Kamel well and while and while you're doing that I mean Kessler Edwards big shout out to him 44 minutes off the bench 10 rebounds 17 points couple of steals and again he's another young player I mean he was drafted as a second round pick number 44 by Brooklyn interestingly a couple before Delano Banton. <laughs> and uh, he really, really showed up. He's, he's been playing a lot. He played a lot. He played 44 against Toronto, 33 against Philly the next game, and then 39 minutes against Orlando. So he's getting his chance. And as you said at the start of the episode, that's something that, you know, the health and safety protocols have enabled, is all these second-round picks and old players, whether it be Isaiah Thomas or anyone signing to get their chance once again, show what they can do in real competitive NBA games. Yeah, and um, looking at LaMarcus, I mean, did you know he's having this good a season? He's He's been averaging 14 points and considering what he went through like last year, he's shooting 57% from the field and 36% from three and on not a low volume of threes either. I mean, that's, he's having a very, very, very good season. Um, I, I didn't know he was um, honestly contributing this much and it's, he's only missed the last couple of games. I didn't see him in the Raps game and that's because of COVID protocols as well and he's due to come back. So, yeah, I mean, if Kyrie, if he ever does come back, obviously we had an episode where we did discuss this. Um, 
this next team may be well be the favourites to win everything, you know, in, in the title and everything, the Eastern Conference. I I thought for sure the Bucks were my favourites going into the season, but if they do get Kyrie back, yeah, that's that really, you know, that, they only develop from where they are currently and currently they're the best team in the East. Yeah, tips them over the edge. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to say then is the next game, Golden State against Toronto. Traditionally, I guess even since the days of Dwayne Casey, this has always been extremely competitive. It's been one where Steve Kerr has often been worried, often had to pull out the big guns. This time though, none of the Warriors' big players traveled across the border. I guess this was a mix of rest, not really worrying about Toronto as an opponent, not really need to practice against them. They only got a couple of games, of course, before any potential finals or playoff matchup. And naturally, being trapped north of the border wouldn't do so well for the Warriors' upcoming games. So again, they started with Kyoza, Lee, Kevin Looney, uh, Tuscan JTA, and Jonathan Kuminga. And it's that last guy I want to talk about in this game. Commentator said he had a little bit of a point to prove because, um, if I'm correct, he was number six pick in this year's draft because how... Sorry, seventh pick by the Warriors in this year's draft because of how stacked they've been and, of course, they're obviously going for it this season. He hasn't had too many minutes. only averaged about 10 minutes a game throughout this whole season. But again, getting his chance against Toronto... Dropping 26 points, probably the best Golden State player on the floor, really showed like he knew what he was doing. And it wasn't just bully ball in the paint either from this big lad. Uh, Four from six from behind the arc. And Scotty Barnes, interestingly enough, playing in the same game, had a great game, Scotty. 21 points, uh, eight rebounds and six assists. But it kind of shows that this year's draft, I think everyone in that top 10, you know, whether it be... The Jalens, whether it be Mobley, Scotty, Kuminga, Josh Giddy, even, uh, are all really, really stacked with talent. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how Kuminga develops on this Warriors team. And you can only hope, even when the starters come back, that he gets some more minutes. I'm not sure what you think of him so far this season. Um, I think easily top five rookies, just in terms of just potential and talent, what he has put up. Um, saw him in the Suns game as well I, I was watching him closely there mm. um, yeah and he was he was he was very very good against this um, Raptors team as well um, everything we talked about with him before the draft we talked about his athleticism his length but it's just somehow the Warriors are able to add that extra bit of I don't know I, I guess it's calmness on the court and just um just really just really solid team orientated mentality for these you know forward type players especially you you look at what they they've achieved with Andrew Wiggins um, in the short time that they've had him um, he looks like a completely different player to what he was in Minnesota so even if he doesn't get that many minutes uh, Kamel say this season and this season's playoffs I think staying with the Warriors while Steve Kerr is a head coach even if he only gets, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game, it's much better for his development than, say, if he goes to, uh, I don't know, like somewhere, honestly, like a Sacramento Kings and gets like 30 minutes a game just because the coaching um, is clearly so much better in terms of developing um, that talent and potential. 
So yeah, I, I think he's he's he can be what the top three players, one of the top three players in this draft, in my opinion, alongside uh, Scotty Barnes and probably I'd say Evan Mobley as well. Has to be Mobley, right? Yeah, those three sort of competing yeah. maybe for Rookie of the Year and at the minute, according to ESPN. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I um, mean. It ended up uh, 119-100. Of course, we said Kaminga, the only one really to deliver for the Warriors. And, you know, poor lads, Gary Gary Payton tried. He even tried a dunk at the end of the game. And, of course, what we know yeah. about Yuki Watanabe, <laughs> what, what, what do we say? What does he say? <laughs> if he has a chance to block someone 100 times, he'll jump 100 times. He doesn't care about being posterized. Finally got his own back. No, I think he really recovered, yeah, recovered his uh, blocking reputation there. So... Glad for Utah there. Hands up for Utah. And yeah, I mean, I kind and, of. And it was sorry. amazing, Kyle, because every, everyone was celebrating him going up for that as well. Like they they understand like what kind of mentality he has for these uh, attempted blocks as well. Everyone loves the fact like it, opposing fans they weren't particularly clowning him. They were just like, we love that it was so unnecessary for him to do it at that period of the game. But he still went up to you know potentially embarrass himself. But he, he doesn't care. He just does what he thinks is a white basketball player. Exactly. It was 119, 197 at the time. So there's absolutely no need to do it. He could have just let yeah. Gary Payton get his. But no, 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 he will do that. And that's the kind of attitude is why the front office is probably delighted with that pickup. Exactly. But, We're but delighted. That, I mean, everyone is. I mean, he's just a phenomenal yeah. player. We need, to do, we need to do a Utah episode, definitely. I mean, I'm surprised. Oh, yeah, but we'll just end up doing, what, a whole season's worth of Utah. Uh, we've already done a um, look into the life and times of Utah, but potentially, um, maybe not Utah, but that's something we could look to do for some of the other young talents or even 10-day contractors that we that we had in the recent game. We, we could definitely look to do one of these life and times episodes because I yeah. think we've done one for a while, have we, come out? No, but uh, at the same time, I'm doubting the likes of DJ Wilson or Uturu or Morgan are going to go anywhere in the NBA with all due respect to them. Uh, these 10-day contracts are almost either like a blast for the past or just just want a great opportunity. But that's that's the NBA, you know. Players can ball up in the G League and Euro League and, and in China. But the NBA is such a different ball game, such, such quality. Yeah. And I think these guys are just finding it out, especially those on the fringes. Yeah, and I think Utah's probably the p- perfect example of that. He's, he's a guy's average what ten minutes a game this season, maybe for, definitely single digit points, maybe you know six, five, six, seven range. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but then he suddenly, when he's like the main guy with other than fringe NBA players, he's the one going off for twenty plus points. So yeah, I think that in itself, this game against Cavaliers probably illustrates your point perfectly. And I think that's that's where we round it off. I mean, you would think we'd be more upset about a 45-point loss to a division rival like the Cavs. Well, sorry, to a conference rival. But instead, the Raptors go in, carry on with this weird part of the season with a 14-16 and 16 record. Everything is up in the air. We're still unsure whether the Raptors are going for that lower playoff seed or whether they're choosing to tank slash retool slash rebuild. But as we said towards the start of the episode, those sort of next three games against big, big rivals, big contenders in yeah. both the East and West are really going to show it. So we got one tonight against Philly, uh, LA and New York, and then rounding it off with a home game against San Antonio, who themselves 
are pulling pulling out surprises. It seems every couple yeah. of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Varel, I mean, I think we should round it off here, unless you have perhaps any criticism of of Mr. Silver or the health and safety protocols at the minute. I know they've shortened them recently to uh, six no, or seven no. days. Just doing their jobs, mate. I mean, uh, nothing to say to them. It's, it's if there's anyone to criticise it, so it might it may well be uh, governmental decisions, but. Uh, this is not a political podcast, Kamel, so uh, that can be left for our um, politically orientated uh, friends, uh, whoever don't listen to political uh, podcast, Kamel. But can be what you're saying, what you're saying is you know enough about libel not to make any sort of comment. Fantastic. All I want to do is talk to the CEO of coronavirus. <laughs> to be honest, man, we gotta we gotta have some words. This has been going on for too long. <laughs> Uh, 13th March 2020 remember the day well uh, Rudy Gobert of course and uh, it's now 28th of December <laughs> it's a... yeah and we're still going we're I still... love that you remember that day That's exactly hilarious. it's etched into my mind so I'm still waiting for that meeting what do, what do we call it Mike Mike Gate do we call that Mike Gate yeah Mike Gate the day the day the day basketball ended forever sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> I don't know being too dramatic now <laughs> in any sense uh, we'll round that off We'll see you next week. Hopefully the Raptors have somewhat close to a full roster. And hopefully we play more than a game every four days because I know it seems weird, especially coming from fans of football and once a week Premier League games. But wow, this is kind of getting boring now. We'll see you next week. Raul, you'll never bore me. Don't worry. Yeah. To a new year, everyone. To a new to a oh, yeah, 2022. To, a, to 2022. <laughs> yeah. Take care, everyone.